The Start On Demand. On demand. The week is off to a brutally cold start after a brutally cold weekend. Extreme cold warning for all of southern Manitoba. In fact, for almost all of Manitoba. The Super Bowl. The game? Kind of boring. Halftime show? Not bad. And on that note, we've got our weekly visit with Bob Irving today. We also speak with Jets analyst Jamie Thomas on Pierre-Luc Dubois getting in his first practice. And I Love to Read Month continues with local author David A. Robertson. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Monday, February 8th podcast for The Start. It is minus 31, feels like minus 37 outside 680 CJOB. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. That, by the way, is the reading at the Forks. Just looking at the airport, minus 34, feels like minus 47. So uh, just a balmy start to the week, Greg Mackling. Well, I actually took my car keys with me up to my bedroom last night so I could start my car before I got in the shower. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I did not want to spare any moments uh, that I get out of the command start. I wanted that car as warm as it could possibly be before I got in. You know, Loren, there are going to be a lot of folks, you know... It's winter in Manitoba. What do you expect? It's cold. That doesn't change the fact that it's awful. No, and I, I'm actually sitting in my basement right now with sweats and a sweatshirt on and, and a blanket and, and I'm inside. And so it's just, just one of those things. Like I, you know, like I get it. Like it's, yes, it's Manitoba. Yes, we've been through this. Yes, we've been really lucky this year. That's one thing I kept thinking. My God, could you imagine if we had to go through all this social distancing and not hanging out with one another? If all of January and February had been colder than normal or like this? So sure. We can be grateful for a lot of things, but it doesn't mean you can't complain, for goodness sakes. It's Thank miserable you. out there. Yeah, I'm just looking at the uh, the weather alert map from Environment Canada for not just Manitoba, but for Canada. And much of the country is under a blanket of red, just looking at this map at weather.gc.ca uh, for a variety of things. But yeah, it's it's awful out there. Now, yesterday, to be fair... It's, I think, awful depending on what you're doing. Like yesterday, if you're if you're deciding to layer up and tackle the weather for recreational purposes, like I went for two walks yesterday, and it was actually kind of nice because it wasn't too windy. But there was one moment where I just where I stopped, took my mitts off, pulled my phone out because I wanted to take a picture of one of the warming huts on the river trail because I thought it was neat, and my hand was exposed for maybe ten seconds, and uh, I felt this panic as I had to put it back in my mitt because it was on fire. It was so cold. So for anybody who's having to work outside or who's just stuck outside for whatever reason, uh, it's dangerous out there. So be careful. Yeah, we're obviously thinking about those that are experiencing homelessness right now. This has got to be very, very difficult. Hopefully they are getting uh, the shelter that they need and anyone who's working outside. Great point. I was working outside for maybe about 
six, seven minutes yesterday. I was telling Brett Loren, we started demolishing our our bathroom. We've got uh, sort of one last project to do in our house, and then I got to start all over again because it's taken 10 years to <laughs> renovate our house. So the, the, the cycle uh, will start all over again, I suppose. But I had to rip out drywall and some tile and put it all in garbage bags, uh, those construction garbage bags, and load it down. Well, was putting it on uh, the trailer. My father-in-law, kind enough to bring a trailer over for us to haul this stuff. We had to be so careful with the garbage bags because it was so cold. The garbage bags were brittle, like glass. And so we had to place them gently into the trailer in fear of basically these plastic bags shattering. That's how cold it was. Rob saying, and I, uh, Rob is in uh, Minnedosa. He's one of our loyal listeners up in that part of the province. And he said at some one point yesterday afternoon, around 2 o'clock, it was minus 55 with the wind chill. Wow in that part of the province. But weirdly, are you not one of those people too that like you have this love-hate thing with it because you kind of brag about it as well like I was out this weekend I did some stuff sure. I went Badge for of a honor walk. Stuff? like yeah like I was laughing too because I'm the only I have three other siblings and none of them live in Manitoba anymore and each of them along with my parents reached out over the weekend with a text like whoa like with screen grabs of the weather in Manitoba just to it's cold there like thanks tips got it <laughs> but also then I was like yeah not so bad we went for a walk with the kids today like which I forced them to do which lasted seven minutes which had us running like racing back to the house like so part of me was you know laughing at the idea of how much i hate the cold but then like whatever i went out did some stuff you know like i don't know why it's a weird brag thing definitely a badge of honor thing yesterday i felt like i i conquered something by because that's one of the reasons why i went out i wanted to see if i could if i could hack it and uh, there were a couple of moments where i thought am i gonna make it my usual distance here and then i just kind of pushed through and it like it, it, depending on where you were if you were directly facing the sun it was actually i don't want to say it was not too bad but the sun certainly helped and uh i got some great pictures of myself with the manitoba mascara that frosty face told us about last week so it was kind of fun but like i said i was as bob irving would say uh just layer up i need some of those heated socks bob always talks about though greg yeah we got to get you a pair of those uh scott just said this and uh our good friend jeff sent me an email this morning the warm spot Let's call it the hot spot in Manitoba right now. Is Churchill? Yeah, it's only it's, minus twenty three there. Yeah, there's no weather alert. I was I just went to look for the weather alerts for Manitoba and the northernmost parts of our province, with the exception of the western side of Manitoba, have zero weather cold warnings going on right now. But the rest of Manitoba does, and we just got our first cancellation for the morning. Lord Selkirk School Division. Classes canceled for all students, uh, no buses running, but staff are expected to report to work. The good news is for some schools is that I think some many schools divisions have a in-service or PD day today. So a lot of the kids weren't going anyway, but Lord Selkirk, one of our first, of, I'm suspecting, will be several cancellations throughout the day, Brett. So we will check in with Kayla Evans, Global Weather Specialist, in our next segment to find out just how long this cold snap is going to last. And at 8.37, we mentioned Bob Irving. Uh, we speak to him every Monday at 8.37. So, of course, Greg, we're going to have to talk to him about the Super Bowl, which, uh, for all intents and purposes, was one of the most boring football games I've ever watched. I watched exactly half of it, and uh, basically... Based on my scrolling through social media, your depiction and your your view is uh, bang on, Brett McGarry. Not too many kind things in terms of the football overall. It was not an ex- exciting first half either. So um, I guess there's no question now who the GOAT is 
in NFL history. Tom Brady, seven Super Bowls, five Super Bowl MVPs. And he says, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm not done either. I'm coming back <laughs> next year. So wow. we'll see if he can, uh, can repeat. to start this half hour with mask clad fans streaming into the Tampa Bay Buccaneers stadium on Super Bowl Sunday for the NFL's championship game as the limited crowd of attendees largely observed COVID-19 health and safety restrictions. Yeah, uh, uh, Twitter was a buzz about the fact that the 65,600 and 18-seat uh, Raymond James Stadium uh, looked full on TV. Well, the NFL allowed 25,000 ticketed fans in the stands and suites for America's biggest annual sporting event, and it had the appearance of that packed crowd as cardboard cutouts were scattered between the in-person fans. There seemed to be apprehension from those watching the game on TV about that seemingly full stadium, including you, McNabb. Yeah, I don't, and I don't know if apprehensive is the right word, but it, yeah, for the first few moments, there was a bit of like, hang on, that looks like a really pack stadium and then you, they do some close-ups and you realize it's the cutouts i had known i did know in advance that they were doing that but the first look at it really they i mean i guess kudos they did a good job of making it look like it was full and it sounded like there was a lot of people there but it was bizarre to see that amount together regardless of how they were spaced out and then also just uh, was the same feeling i had when i watched the halftime show um on the opposite end normally it's filled with the stages backup dancers and people singing and and jumping around the stage together and none of that was really going on and so it was all just a really bizarre experience and we'll have more on the halftime show and the canadian who was featured in it in a second but first we want to take a look at how the united states prepared for the game with global's jennifer johnson in Los Angeles County, sports bars and restaurants are prohibited to have TVs in customer seating areas Sunday, even outdoors. There are also fears about private parties. It's the Super Bowl, not the stupid bowl. Don't bring multiple households together and create a super spreader event. The National Football League is allowing about 25,000 fans to attend the game, including thousands of immunized healthcare workers. But this event will be like no other. Every fan will, be, will have nobody seated in front of them. Nobody in behind them. Restrooms, which not only have physical distancing, but touchless. It's the first ever cashless Super Bowl. Jennifer Johnson, Global News, Washington. So they did do a good job of people keeping their distance. And yeah, I, I was torn between thinking, oh, I don't know if I'd want to be there to wishing I could have the opportunity or at least the choice, guys, not just for the, the game itself, but for the weekend, which was who sung at the halftime show. He was, I thought he was pretty decent. Um, but I also just had me thinking about concerts and getting back into the game, so to speak, of just entertainment, period. I quite enjoyed the uh, the halftime show with the weekend. I know that both of you were saying that the sound mix wasn't particularly good, and uh, we they were talking about that overnight on the shift as well. Part of it too, I think, is the weekend. While he is super talented, he's got a great voice. I think just a wonderful voice. It's not the most powerful voice, so for a show that big, I think uh, you know it's it, it's a little tough. I don't know if you... I know, Greg, you watched Uncut Gems, that Adam Sandler movie on Netflix. Loren, did you watch that movie? I tried to. Okay. Well, I bring it up because I can't remember in what year it was set. I know it was set a few years back. The weekend was actually featured in that film. And, like, even though he was already a superstar by the time that film was made, in that movie, they reference him as this up-and-coming weirdo Canadian and he performed in a nightclub. I think that would probably be the ideal setting to see a guy like The Weeknd. But I thought it was a cool show. The spectacle 
was uh, very creative, especially the way that they incorporated this, because he had previously spoken about how they couldn't quite use the stadium like they right. normally do. Uh, so I enjoyed the halftime show. They sort of copied, uh, was it 2015 when the Grey Cup was in Winnipeg and they did the halftime show from the north end end zone uh, on top of one of the buildings, the pavilion that houses the uh, second uh, Blue Bomber store and the rum hut and the washrooms. And so they they set up the stage up there, very similar to what they did at uh, the stadium in Tampa Bay last night. But Loren, uh, you know, the weekend... I confess to not being up on any of the real new artists out there, but uh, you said to Brett this morning, it's like, they're like, he's like the Eagles. It's like, it, he does that song and this song. <laughs> I didn't know he did that That's song as well. exactly what I was thinking. Because he was, he appeared and I was like, okay, here we go. This is cool. The set was cool. I liked the uh, choir that was there. And then they had like, they, 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 then they switched to instruments and it was really, I just liked the whole image that was around him, but I kept doing the same thing. Oh, Oh, this is his. Oh, I know this song, and I'm singing along. But I went into it thinking, "Oh, let's see what this is," and I felt like an idiot, right? Idiot afterwards. <laughs> A right idiot. Yeah. By the way, the question of the day at cjob.com: What did you think of the weekend's halftime show at the Super Bowl? And your options are: loved it, good show, bad sound mix, meh. Or didn't watch. Cast your vote at cjob.com. We'll throw that up on Twitter as well, at 680CJOB. It's brought to you by Mr. Furness. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furness, 204-832-6243. And we just got to very quickly mention as well, it was a great weekend for Canadians, uh, the weekend performing at the Super Bowl. And Dan Levy had a big weekend on Saturday Night Live, Greg. Yeah, I love Dan Levy. I watched the monologue. I didn't stay up to watch it. I had other plans on Saturday night. Um this pains me to say it, but I watched his monologue and uh, I laughed exactly once, unfortunately. It was very heartwarming, his monologue, um, but I, I didn't find it funny at all. So I don't know what the rest of the episode was like on SNL. Would like to hear from you, 780-6868. Did I save 90 minutes of my life on Saturday night? Well, heartwarming might be the word for it because his mom, I think, won the day anyway before he went on to do the show when she tweeted out something about how, you know, so all the bullies that made my son's life miserable at this one camp that he went to, she said, I have just seven words from you live from Saturday night. It's Dan Levy. So I thought she had the uh, the right tone there at all, uh, targeting the people that probably second guess wherever he would go in life. So kudos to him. What did he do great? I don't know. Tackling McGarry and McNabb, as producer Nicole told you during the commercial break, 680 CJOB and Namath Diamonds want to celebrate love this Valentine's Day. So much so that we're giving away the perfect gift just in time. Every day on the start this week, you could win a $100 gift card to Namath Diamonds. And we're going to give that away today, just after 9.15. Based on your text messages on this dilemma I faced yesterday, here's the audio from a video I posted on my Instagram yesterday and on 680 CJOB's Instagram this morning. This person's laundry has been in here for over two hours. Nice basket, by the way. Question is, is it acceptable to move it or should I leave it? I've actually asked in a poll on our 680CJOB Instagram, would you move it or leave it? And the basket was this box that was gift wrapped in like what appeared to be cartoon penguins. So that's why I was like, hey, this is a really nice basket. But uh, anyway, so that just got me thinking about social etiquette dilemmas, what to do. I Because I, I went there to do laundry 
They had their stuff in there. Fine. I came back two hours later. It's still there. I ended up just going down a floor to the 15th floor, but I contemplated whether or not I should move it. So let's talk about social etiquette dilemmas that could potentially lead to conflict. What did the survey say, by the way? Uh, my survey was overwhelmingly in favor of move it. Mm, okay. But uh, I've now put that same survey on 680 CJOB's Instagram, so you can feel free to weigh in. Uh, but we've got Cam Poitras here. Producer Sky is here. Cam, you got an example of social etiquette dilemmas that uh, could lead to conflict? Well, yeah. And I, I think in most situations, you just grin and bear it and move on with your life. Uh, you know, I was working here a couple uh, years ago, and I Somebody made a. It was a situation in the bathroom, and it was it's it, it was like a situation like it was. It seemed like the person had a night of really hard drinking, and that's what it was kind of like in the bathroom. And uh, they'd forgotten to flush, and there was a uh, you know a little bit of a mess, uh, not like disgusting or anything like that, but like toilet paper. So I just I knew who it was. I didn't say anything. I just flushed the toilet. I cleaned up a little bit, and I just went about my day because I didn't want to humiliate this person who obviously would be humiliated. So Was it me? No, it wasn't you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, th- I think most of these situations, it's, just, it's a situation where you're just like, I'll just uh, take this on the chin. I'll just move move on with my life and spare that person the embarrassment. So I hope that's, you know, I probably have done something myself, and I hope, you know. I hope that they would do the same for me. <laughs> hey, reminder, uh, we've got our Daily Jets update coming up at 6.55. Producer Sky, what about you? I just have a real problem with waiting rooms. Even before COVID, it's, um, it's, a, prob- it's a problematic situation no matter what. If you, especially if there's a, a clothing imbalance. Like if some people are in gowns and some people are fully clothed, there is a power imbalance there. And sometimes you have pockets and sometimes you don't. So some people get their phones and some people just have to stare at you on your phone. Um, there's a lot going on in the dynamics of a waiting room. And you can't sit right next to somebody waiting if there's a whole waiting room. This happens all the time. I'm just letting you know. So, like, if the, the waiting room is kind of not full right? and you, you choose to sit immediately beside somebody? Yeah. Well, that's just weird. It doesn't matter if it's a waiting room. Like, if somebody yeah. gets on an – if you're the one person on a bus and True. someone sits beside you, it's like, what's the matter with you? Exactly. Are you psycho? <laughs> yes, they are. They're sociopaths. <laughs> uh, Loren, what about you? Well, your waiting room makes me think of just also what I hate about waiting rooms is when they ask you what you're there for. What are you here for? What do you want to see the doctor for? And then they call you up with that symptom or whatever it is. It just feels like a lot of information is being shared with perfect strangers. So I hear you, Sky. It can be an uncomfortable place. Um, for me, I'm more, I, uh, social etiquette in restaurants. And I don't know if I've ever would say anything, but I've thought about it when people answer their phone or are on their phone or are really loud at the table next to you and don't get up. Like, doesn't it bug the people you're with that you're also on the phone talking? At the same time, so I left I, uh, my kids at home. I don't need to hear you talking to yours on your yeah, phone. Yeah, or or get up and and like take walk to the entrance or something. I, I just find it really really bizarre. And it's one thing if you try to answer it quickly and say, "Yep, just a second, you know, and put it down, or just a second, I'm out for dinner." Or, but unless it's like an emergency, I don't know why you're staying on the phone. It's it bugs me, and I want to lean over and be like, "Doesn't that bug you? Your boyfriend's <laughs> bugging me." <laughs> Backling. Uh, four-way stops. It's not merges anymore. It's four-way stops. I don't like the conductor at the four-way stop. I don't need you to tell me it's my turn to go. If it's my turn to go, I know it's my turn to go, but there's only one thing worse than that. When it's not my turn to go and you tell me to go, I'm not going. You can wave me through all you want, 
The pedestrians do it. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, no. I'm going to stop. You have the right of way. I'm going to let you cross, or I'm going to let you go through the intersection. Don't start changing the rules on me. People have a hard enough time with the rules as it is. Don't be telling me that it's my turn to go when it's not, because I'm not going to do it. I've never turned down a wave, ever. Nope, if you sorry. wave me, I'm going. No, no, it's a setup, man. Somebody's just going to push on the gas it's and go. It's a setup. <laughs> <laughs> it's a scam. It's an FBI scam. <laughs> so here's what we need from you at 204-780-6868. If you want a chance to win that $100 gift card from Namath Diamonds just in time for Valentine's Day, we need you to send us a text with an example of a social etiquette dilemma that you once faced, one that could potentially lead to conflict. Tell us a story for your chance to win. And just by the way, a quick funny note on waiting rooms. My dad once told me when he was a kid, there was some kid who was in the waiting room whose last name was Bater. And this was back when they referred to young boys as master. So you can imagine how uh, embarrassed this young boy was when they called his name. And I'll just let you connect those dots. Mackling McGarry and McNabb for the last two weeks, we've been playing warm up with On Time Furnace. We want to give away a new gas furnace. We have nine qualifiers. We've been asking you to text us the code word every day, code words like winter peg and thermostat and heat and snow. And now we must select one of those nine qualifiers. And on the line with us, we have one Jamie Newman. Jamie, good morning. Good morning. How are you, sir? Well, I'm inside right now, so I'm a little bit... uh... I'm, I'm, I'm warm, but I'm wondering if things are going to be heating up more. You know what I mean? Well, Greg, would you like to deliver the good news to Mr. Newman? Well, is this the right Jamie Newman? It is the right Jamie Do Newman. Do we cross-reference all the information? We got the right phone number and everything? I think so. This isn't a false positive? <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, you are our winner. Congratulations. Oh. Brand new furnace. I'm going to crank that baby. I'm cranking that baby up for like 26. 26? Wow. Do you have to run that past anybody, that thermostat setting, or are you in charge of that? Oh, I'll tell you what. It's going to be boxing shorts and a T-shirt around my house. (laughs) Make it a tropical paradise, Jamie. I can't believe I got this. Boxing shorts. Of all the shorts, boxing shorts. Well... I know, a Speedo would be going a little bit too far. <laughs> but, well, thanks a lot. I can't, I, actually, I can't believe it. It's a bit of a stunner. Everybody at work heard me on the radio, and they said, hey, was that you? And I said, yeah, that was me. I said, I can't believe it. They said, Newman, you don't ever win anything. I said, I know, I know, but, you know, maybe one day I will. This is the day. <laughs> Jamie, mark it down, Jamie. <laughs> is it Groundhog Day? It is not. You are the winner. You got yourself the gas furnace. And yes, on-time furnace will install it for you as well. So, Jamie, I'm going to put you on hold. Congratulations, buddy. And many thanks to on-time furnace for providing us with this sweet prize. This contest could not have been more timely with this extreme cold warning we've got. Jamie Newman wins the on-time furnace new gas furnace. Warm up with on-time furnace has been fun. And remember to text us at 204-780-6868 your social etiquette dilemma stories for a chance to win a $100 gift card for Namath Diamonds.
We do want to revisit the conversation on the Super Bowl, on the weekend's halftime show, on Dan Levy, on Saturday Night Live. Great weekend for Canadians. But uh, one of the things you shared with us yesterday, Greg, on Twitter had to do with people maybe letting their guard down a little bit when you looked at the numbers, because I will admit when I saw the numbers yesterday in Manitoba, I don't want to say I let my guard down, but I al- it was almost a sigh of relief. Well, yes, because these numbers haven't been where they are at right now since October with one distinct difference. So, uh, of course, our heart goes out to the families of those uh, who are related and are friends with those that uh, lost their lives to COVID-19. Four additional deaths announced yesterday. But when we look at the number of cases announced on Sunday, four cases in the Interlake uh, Eastern Region, Loren, 28 cases in Northern Health Region, nine cases in Prairie Mountain Health Region, eight cases in the Southern Health, uh, Centre Sud Health Region, and 31 cases in the Winnipeg Health Region. But the big difference, and I think that we need to keep this in perspective, when our numbers were down this low back in October, there were barely any people in hospital, and we still have a total of 152, pardon me, 263 hospitalizations right now. So it's, a, it's still a precarious number in terms of uh, resources in the healthcare sector. Yeah, 105 people in hospital that have active COVID-19, and then there's 158 who are no longer infectious, but they still require care, and that can go on for days. And so as you, you mentioned, the numbers to watch, that's what I I think we've shifted our focus along the way. In the beginning of the pandemic, we watched case count, and then we learned about test positivity, and we were focused on that. And then we got into the fall, we started to hear from health officials and doctors who were sounding the alarm, saying the big concern is hospitalizations. We won't be able to keep up in the hospitals. And so that's the number that I think that we have to keep watching now, uh, along with the fact that we still have fatalities, eight over the weekend, four yesterday, as you mentioned, Greg. And so there's there's a bit of um, hope, but there's also, I think, uh, room for us here to just say, keep it, keep at it, keep it slow, keep it steady, you know, watch those numbers come down. That's wonderful, but let's not take our foot off the gas just yet when it comes to all the restrictions we have in place. And we know later this week, we're going to hear from the province uh, in terms of what the next phase of easing restrictions might be and we've got a letter from dance studios this morning people who put on dance classes uh, for kids saying can we please be on the list of of facilities that are allowed to open as long as we have social distancing so we're going to hear lots of pleas like that i imagine over the next few days from businesses that might not have been mentioned uh, by the premier last week when it came to what might be considered for an easing of these restrictions and it all comes back to those numbers and so we'll just have to carefully watch this uh, as we know in the days ahead Brett. yeah that dance studio thing um you, it was when kids can take dance lessons in school or in class already it seems like why not allow a dance studio to open up as well so that could just be one of those sort of oversight things so I'm sure we'll hear more about that through the week but we do want to shift our focus to uh well a Super Bowl, but be Canadians just kicking butt on big stages over the weekend, starting on Saturday Night Live, Greg. Dan Levy of, of uh, Schitt's Creek, of course. Uh, what can you say about his meteoric rise uh, to fame? The son of Eugene Levy. Uh, why don't we press uh, play on this? And I hate to tell you, but this was the funniest part of his monologue. To be here hosting Saturday Night Live, somewhere my 13-year-old self has fainted in like a really needy, melodramatic way. (laughs) Now, the past 12 months 
have quite literally changed my life in so many ways, both good and not so good. Some good. People finally started watching our show, Schitt's Creek. And we were fortunate enough to win nine Emmys this year. Unbelievable. Beyond a dream come true. The not so good, those Emmys were quite literally thrown at us by a stranger in a hazmat suit. <laughs> That's right. So that, that, that was the highlight. I don't know how the rest of the show went. I did not watch it, but I perused the entire six minutes, 43 seconds or thereabouts of the entire monologue, which include a ba- included a backstage tour of a, a COVID-safe Saturday Night Live and a guest appearance from Eugene Levy in a glass box, which doesn't really play on radio, didn't really play all that well on television either, but would be interested to hear what your impressions were of Dan Levy's first appearance as host on Saturday Night Live. I, I hope he gets a chance to do it again. I only saw a couple sketches and, you know, I, like, I hate to be the one that says you can blame the writers for this, but I've also read some of the reviews and they were like, they seem to, you know, just didn't really have great material for the hilarity, hilarity that Dan Levy can produce. And so I think, you know, he'll get another shot at it, hopefully, and uh, we'll see him again. But it wasn't just him, Brett. He, of course, was Saturday Night Live. And then Sunday we had uh, the weekend at the Super Bowl. The weekend doing the halftime show. It's actually the topic of our question of the day at CJOB.com. It is brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. And indeed, uh, so far, just looking at the results at cjob.com, we have, what did you think of the weekend's halftime show at the Super Bowl? Your options are, loved it, good show, bad sound mix, meh, or didn't watch. And that's actually leading the way at 43%, didn't watch. 36% say meh. 14% say good show, bad sound mix, and 7% say loved it. We'll get that up on Twitter as well at uh, 680CJOB. And I know both of you pointed out that the sound was not the best. It came through okay for me. I kind of feel like I should go back and and watch it again, but it certainly wasn't the best uh, sound. But I thought the overall show, like he's not the most dynamic performer, but I think the spectacle that they built around him was Pretty cool. Well, how and about this? A spectacle he paid for. Great, uh-huh. Greg. We've learned this morning that the Pepsi and NFL usually cough up some cash for the halftime show, but he put in even more. Seven million dollars of his own money does not get paid. You do not get a dime for doing the halftime show. Brett, you mentioned when we were talking about this off air. Well, this is an investment of time and energy on behalf of the performers that is likely going to pay off uh, down the road. But I've never heard of the performer actually dipping into their own pocket Six figures, seven million bucks when they're already rumored to spend about $10 million on production in the first place. Yeah, and uh, indeed it is an investment because in spite of the fact that he's a big, big, big star, there were a lot of people exposed to him yesterday who finally connected some dots. Or like, cause you, we, we all know those songs, but many people might have thought, oh, I knew that song, but I didn't know that was him, and I didn't know that song was The weekend. Oh, my goodness, I need to investigate this guy a little bit more. Oh, he's Canadian? Oh, wow, look at that. So... <laughs> I should add here, not only am I the pathetic person, as I mentioned an hour ago, how I didn't realize he had all those great songs, but I'm also the one that lately has taken to just watching TV in general with the subtitles, like with the closed captioning on, just because Why? I miss so, I don't know, it helps me out. Like I, I do it too. I, I miss do a lot, too? I think. Yeah. 
I, I thought maybe it was like I was getting older. It's my hearing, but maybe that's what was missing for me last night. I was like, can we get the CC on this performance? I can't, you can't hear anything in here. I, I turn on the closed captioning a lot. I have a sound bar. It's not the best stereo in terms of clarity. And I find that with, I don't know what it is, but the way they mix sound these days, it seems to be the dialogue gets buried in a lot of things. But I probably just need a better stereo. But yeah, the closed captioning, especially watching anything British. I have to have the subtitles on. Brett, let's blame the audio mixing and not our hearing or our technology. It's just easier that way. It can't be my TV. can't be my hearing. What's going on these days with sound engineers? Let's, let's bring one on. Here's a trick for you, Brett, before we run here. I hear the music going. But if you get a set of beats or there's several other, as I understand it, wireless or Bluetooth headphones that you can actually connect directly to the, if you have the Shaw is it the blue wave, blue, blue curve? Blue curve. You can directly tap into the audio onto your wireless headphones if that would help you at all. I actually have a set of wireless headphones. It's a radio transmitter uh, headphones that are a little bit, uh, from what I understand, what I'm told, a little bit better than the Bluetooth uh, headphones. They're like cinema, stereo, it's like surround sound headphones. So Maybe I put those on occasionally when I want to watch a movie and so really that does blow work, my head off. But you can do that, right? Yeah, okay. it works. Yeah, okay. it's not bad, not too bad. But it's Monday, just after 8.30, and it was supposed to be a game for the ages. Instead, it became an exclamation mark for the greatest NFL quarterback of all time. Yeah, seven Super Bowl championships, five Super Bowl MVP awards. Great way to cap off an incredible career, except Tom Brady says, I will be back, back with us on a Monday morning. Bob Irving, voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Good morning, sir. Good morning, you guys. We will ask you about your walk in a couple minutes here, but uh, Tom Brady, unarguably the best quarterback of all time. Is he the best NFL player now of all time, Bob? Well, you could make that argument, I guess. It's a very subjective thing, isn't it? Uh, of players who've won championships, he would be the greatest of all time. There's no question about that. And that just makes his resume sort of overwhelming to get to the Super Bowl 10 times and win it seven times. You know, there's over 30 teams in that league. Think about it for a minute. Uh, getting to the Super Bowl in itself is a feat. But to get there 10 times and then win it seven times is, well, it's unimaginable. It really is. And so uh, there he is. He's got another notch on his belt where Super Bowls and was talking earlier in the week about playing until he's 46 or 47. He's 43 now. So uh, we may never see the end of Tom Brady in our lifetime. Uh, and I'm sure the fans in Tampa Bay would be pleased about that. The story of the game, though, for me, was how well Tampa's defense played. Uh, I thought going into the game that the Bucks would score some points with Brady at quarterback. The question for me was, could they control Patrick Mahomes in that explosive Kansas City offense? Something that no team has been able to do. But Tampa Bay's defense played a sensational game. They're incredibly athletic and fast. They got a great pass rush with uh, their four-man front which really handled the Kansas City offensive line. And Mahomes was under siege the whole game. And to hold Kansas City to nine points, nine points, uh, was truly remarkable. So Kansas City, or rather Tampa Bay's defense, should be really getting most of the glory. But, of course, Tom Brady's the quarterback, and the quarterbacks are always in the spotlight. 
Yeah, and he was in the spotlight for me for one other reason, too, because I admittedly don't watch a lot of NFL, Bob. I've said that before, but I, I try to get through the Super Bowl and get through it was my, my phrase for last night because I found it a little bit boring. But my kids were asking questions about Tom Brady, and I hadn't known this, that he was actually chosen in the sixth round. 199th overall in the 2000 NFL draft. And that does that serve for inspiration for players as they learn those kinds of stats along the way growing up with someone like Tom Brady and saying, hey, you don't have to be first, second, or even fifth round uh, to make it big? I think it does serve as inspiration for other athletes, but it certainly has been a motivator for Tom Brady. You know, people close to him have said his entire career he's been out to prove people wrong. Uh, he was overlooked in college. He was overlooked in high school. Uh, and he was a sixth-round draft pick, and so he's always had this uh, chip on his shoulder about maybe not receiving you know, the proper respect that he should get. Now, I, I can't imagine that chip is still there. I don't know how anybody could get more respect than Tom Brady does now, but that's always been a driving force for him. The other thing that he has said, and people wonder how a guy his age can muster up the energy and the drive and the desire to keep playing, uh, he says the bottom line for him is he just enjoys and loves playing the game. And I guess it's as simple as that. And so you make all the concessions you need to make in terms of your training and your diet and all the rest of it so you can carry on and play into your 40s. And he's done it uh, you know, in a way that nobody else has. We got to focus on CFL free agency in a moment, but I just want to bounce this off you, Bob. I don't know if you saw this, but the Edmonton football team now has a short list of seven candidates for its new name, and they are Elk, Evergreens, Evergolds, Eclipse, Elk Hounds, <laughs> Eagles, and Elements listed as possibilities on an online survey released on Monday. Uh, any of those? Do you like any of those? Like, can you imagine which one would you like to to say out loud the most while you're calling a bomber game? <laughs> uh, well, I, I know the the name Elk has been kicked around a lot since they decided to get rid of their previous name, and it's the one I think that a lot of people in Edmonton favor. The one thing they've done is every nickname starts with an E because a lot of their marketing. Uh, is E-E, right, for the Edmonton, and you know what their name used to be. Uh, so I kind of like Elk. Uh, I don't know about Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles are the Eagles, and so uh, I think Elk would fit Element. I don't like that at all. Uh, the Edmonton Element for a sports team, that just doesn't ring right for me. But uh, I'd go with Elk. If I had a vote, uh, Elk would be my vote. Is Elk the plural of more than one Elk? <laughs> well... <laughs> yeah, why not the Edmonton Elks? Yeah, uh, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I guess we'd have to ask uh, the people who are doing it about that. But uh, we'll see what they come up with. I like the way they're doing it, though. You know, they've got the fans very involved, and I think that's a great thing for them to do. No question about it. So let's focus on the CFL free agency. Gets underway 11 a.m. Central tomorrow morning, if I'm not mistaken. Bob, two part question for you here: Do yeah. the bo- uh, Bombers have any needs that they would like to address? And other than Justin Medlock, anyone? that they should lock up before tomorrow? Well, I would say no to both those, Greg. Uh, You know, the defensive line was a concern, and I know a player that uh, they were tossing around was Micah Johnson, who's been an outstanding defensive tackle in the CFL for many years. He's a free agent. But when they signed Steve Richardson, who was such a good rookie at defensive tackle last year, that took that need away. I don't expect the Bombers to be very active in free agency if they do anything at all. Now, you never know, but... uh, They don't have a crying need. In terms of Justin Medlock, the ball is basically in his court. I think they've set aside some money to pay for Medlock if he decides to play again. 
and they're just waiting until he makes a decision. I don't believe Medlock will play the market. I think if he's going to keep kicking, he'll kick here, uh, unless he surprises all of us. But uh, he's deciding whether or not he wants to keep playing. And if he does decide to keep playing, I believe he'll be back with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Bob, if I hadn't just... Uh, the family hadn't just gotten a puppy. I wouldn't be going outside at all over the last two days. And so I'm spending minutes. I can add them up on one hand outside this morning. How long, how far did you get on your daily walk? Well, I went all weekend, 45 minutes. Uh, you know, I just bundled up. I have to say that in all the years I've been doing this, and it's a couple of decades plus now, and getting up first thing in the morning and going for a walk, for, uh, Saturday morning was as challenging as I've had. Uh, you know, it was minus 30-something in the wind chill in the mid-40s, but the northwest wind was wicked. And if there's no wind, it's it's not a problem because you can layer up and, and stay warm, but the wind is a real challenge to deal with, and Saturday morning was a tough one. This morning wasn't too bad because there's not much wind out there, really. It's west at about, I don't know, 15 to 20 kilometers an hour, so it's not bad. But, boy, Saturday morning was a challenge, but... Uh, no, I just uh, I keep going. And by the way, can I say one more thing about the Super Bowl? I love the weekend at halftime. I thought he was terrific. And because he's Canadian, I guess, you know, you, you watch it a little more closely. And the Michael Bublé commercials, I think, <laughs> are hilarious. I just, he's such a, a clean-cut Canadian, right? And, and he's so polite. And they say his name wrong, and he tries to quietly and nicely correct them. And then he stands at the end of the commercial out somewhere and says, it's Buble. And I, I just think they're beautiful. I love those commercials. Those were fun. But what about John Hammond, Skip the Dishes? Did oh, yeah. you get tired I of seeing John him? John Hammond, Skip the Dishes, too. He's just hilarious. He, I don't know. I'd like to know what they're paying him for those commercials because they're <laughs> running them every, like, five times an hour you see those commercials, not just on Super Bowl games. But, yeah, I think he's hilarious, too. I came across an article on the Beaverton from December, uh, of course, tongue-in-cheek because it's the Canadian version of The Onion, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And they announced that they were starting a GoFundMe page for John Hamm so he didn't have to do the skip the dishes commercials so i don't know if i like john ham better or his assistant brandon but last night was you know i i I don't even find those commercials overly redundant but last night it was sort of pushing the envelope yeah it was if you like them though you can't get enough of them and you're right his assistant is is just as funny as john i don't think john ham needs to do those commercials financially but i think he's doing them because they are financially rewarding <laughs> Probably. I'm going to guess you're right, Bob. I think you hit it there. Yeah. <laughs> Bob Irving joining us live on 680 CJOB. Bob, oh, before we let you go, did you watch any of the golf yesterday? I, I, I oh, spent yeah. all day watching sports. I couldn't believe it. I watched the Phoenix yeah. Open, the Waste Management Open, and then the Super Bowl. But there, there were like over a dozen guys in contention. Yeah, it was a great finish. I was pulling for Jordan Spieth. He's one of my favorites, and he kind of faded. Uh, Kepka came on to win it. But, yeah, I was, uh, I was, I was channel surfing for sure. All right, Bob Irving. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Now, I know Britney Spears isn't for everybody, but I would suggest that for a large chunk of our audience, there's a good chance you're once upon a time in a nightclub dancing to some Britney Spears. I know that would be certainly applicable for me. I'm 43, and in 1998, when her first song came out, I was 19 turning 20. Loren McNabb, you're the same age. Was Britney Spears a part of your young adulthood? 
Yeah, for sure. I, and I have no shame admitting and liking it. And I still like a lot of her stuff, whether it's old or every once in a while, she'll post things on her social media page with just some of her dancing and things like that. And I think she, man, she was a, a kid in a really grown up world when she came, uh, became famous. And so I tuned in this weekend to a documentary that was put together by the New York Times, which is basically called Framing Britney Spears. Uh, and you, I was shocked by a number of things in it and I started watching it because I saw someone on social media post the fact that wow like that was so disturbing how many things we ignored in and around her life and so I thought oh well what's this about and it's completely changed the way I've ever looked at or thought or commented about her and for two reasons. One, there's the whole issue of the conservatorship. So that's the fact that her dad is in charge of her, um, basically everything, her estate, her life. When she had her mental health breakdown about 15 years ago, he was put in charge of everything, but he still is to this day. And so there's this whole movement out there called hashtag free Britney that's trying to free Britney from this conservatorship because those are usually put in place when someone is either elderly or incapable, incompetent of taking care of themselves. And so there's these questions through her lawyers and this movement to say, hang on, why is this woman who appears perfectly capable being told she's not capable and has to have her dad in charge? But through this documentary and explaining everything that went on in her life, they used so much old footage and so many old interviews with Brittany and all these different comments that came about along the way is also really putting uh, what many have called misogynistic media in the spotlight for the things they said about her. I mean, I don't know, I forgot about this, but when you look back now in this 2021 lens, it's sickening to see the questions that she as a female had to endure about her body, about her breasts, about her virginity, about all the questions that she had to answer that I would argue no man ever had to answer at that time or maybe still wouldn't have to answer. And then not only that, when she had this mental health breakdown, and we might all remember when she shaved her head, what was that about? Uh, the ambulance that came to her home to take her away, it, the the mocking that occurred as opposed to looking at it like this is someone who might be ill and needs help. And so, yes, we've learned a lot in 15 years, but man, it wasn't that long ago. And it's shameful, some of the things that were done and said to her. And Loren, you pointed out the fact that one of the interviews that was highlighted in this documentary was an interview with Diane Sawyer asking her what would be, in retrospect, incredibly... Inappropriate questions. Yeah, there was a number of people who were who were focused. There was a male interview subject who asked her about her breast. Then there was the Diane Sawyer who talked about um, her relationship with Justin Timberlake and asked questions that I don't think Justin Timberlake got asked. And and so it just the whole thing made she basically scolded her for the split. And, and with I think the question was what did you do wrong? And I I don't know wow. watching wow. a young kid. Uh, at the time, you know, teenager, young adult, whatever you want to call it, and sure, she was in the spotlight. But when you look back now, you just think, was that ever unfair? Hands down, every pretty much every single time she was spoken to. You can find it on YouTube. Just look for Framing Britney Spears, and you'll find the New York Times documentary. I loved Britney Spears. Uh, I loved her music, and, and yes, I had a big crush on Britney. Uh, so I will certainly be checking this out because it sounds like it's offering a lot more insight into what has certainly been a complicated life for one of the biggest pop stars on planet Earth. The wait for Winnipeg Jets fans, meanwhile, is almost over. Yeah, and I think uh, many of us are excited to see what came of this trade two weeks ago. And I can't believe, by the way, Greg, it's been two weeks. It feels like it's been forever. It's weird how time is passing in uh, COVID-19. But, of course, we 
Pierre-Luc Dubois was traded in exchange for Patrick Liney and, and Jack Roslevic, and uh, he practiced yesterday for the first time and is expected we hope to be in the lineup tomorrow night for the game against the Flames. Yeah, I would say one of the most anticipated practice in these parts in a very long time yesterday morning at Bell MTS Place. Jamie Thomas is our color analyst on 680 CJOB Jets Hockey. Jamie will join us in just a moment here. Not too often that a team practice on that sun on a Sunday morning has fans glued to social media. I would suggest that was the case yesterday and the big question being asked and answered who would Dubois play with? Now, of course, just practice. It's just practice. Before we hear from Jamie, here is Pierre-Luc Dubois on the wealth of talent the Jets have at the center ice position. My dad always told me if you can play every forward position, um, you know, you, you're really helping the team out and you're helping the coach out and um, making making his life easier. And, uh, you know, playing center is a, a tough position, but I think, uh, you know, a lot of us, can we can play on the wings and, you know, we, it could be any line, um, you know, you can play anywhere in the lineup. And I mean, there's, there's so much, like you said, there's so much center depth in this lineup uh, with all those guys that, you know, even if you, you, you play on the wing a few games or a few shifts, or, you know, you get caught on the wing and one of the wingers is, is playing in the middle on that shift. Uh, I think it really helps the team out when, when, um, you know, there's, there's so many centermen in the lineup. So let's welcome Jamie Thomas now. Jamie, uh, answer the question for us, for those that were not on social media yesterday. Where did Pierre-Luc Dubois end up in terms of uh, shift and in terms of lines yesterday? And uh, give us your first impressions of those forward lines with the addition of big number 13. Well, uh, first off, Thank you for having me on the show, guys. It was so cold out today. As you know, I, I was panicking. I was pushing the button to uh, phone the number, and my phone wasn't working because my thumbs are so cold. So <laughs> I was like, it's the first time I've been on the morning show since I got to CJOB, and I can't even get phone the number. So I was panicking. Anyway, so I'm calmed down now. Uh, it, was, it was pretty exciting to be at practice yesterday. There was more media than usual, as you expect. Uh, so Pierre-Luc Dubois uh, centered the line with Kyle Connor. And Trevor Lewis, uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of speed on that line. And then uh, also on top of that, he uh, has the flank of the second power play unit. So there is a lot of depth. There's a lot of, uh, uh, I guess, energy, a lot of talent on the Jets' forward line. So I can see why people are so excited about it. So he looked really good. Uh, you have to imagine somebody being cooped up uh, for two weeks and then coming outside and it's minus 30 outside. You're happy to be on the ice. So a lot of energy. I think there's a lot of excitement within the, the dressing room as well because this is a very big trade, as you know, and um, there's a lot to be excited about because Pierre-Luc Dubois is big. He plays with an edge. And as you guys just alluded to the fact, there's just so much depth up the middle and the Jets have many options for Paul Maurice, what he can do with his forward line. So uh, it, it looks pretty good. Uh, ahead of the game against Calgary tomorrow. Jets have a pretty solid record right now. Seven wins and 15 points in 11 games. They are yeah. in third place in the North Division. So what does the next week look like for them? Well, you have the Calgary Flames on the road tomorrow, and then you have a couple of games against the Ottawa Senators here at Bell MTS Place, right, including a matinee on Saturday. So we all, we all know how things have gone against the Flames. The Flames are now just coming off a big win against the Edmonton Oilers in the Battle of Alberta on Saturday, so they're kind of feeling good about themselves right now after back-to-back losses to the Jets. And then Ottawa got that win. They finally got their second win of the season last week against Montreal, but uh, fell to the to the Canadians on the weekend again. So they're they're struggling right now. But you know what, guys? I, I think what you can expect from the Ottawa Senators is just not going to roll over. They have a lot of energy. 
they're they very they're very physical. But theoretically, and the way things have gone, the way the Jets handled Ottawa last week, you know, you're looking at a, a much easier opponent on Thursday and Saturday than maybe on Tuesday. But nonetheless, this Canadian division has given us everything. Uh, you kind of there's a lot of questions coming into it, but I don't I don't think you overlooked the, the Ottawa Senators at all. But man, it's it's an exciting week for the Jets uh, before they head out west for uh, a week long road trip. Yeah, and again, with that game in Calgary tomorrow, we're everyone looking towards what Pierre-Luc Dubois will do or can do. And so a lot yeah. of the talk leading up to this, Jamie, of course, has been focused on the forwards. But let's shift to the de- the defense. Are they starting to yeah. find their groove now? We, we, I don't think they've been getting much attention these days. Yeah, well, when you get a big trade and it's a, it's a centerman, which is a key position in any uh, push for any Stanley Cup uh, playoff r- run, it is uh, you can see why things get lost. But the defense... Tucker Pullman is kind of come. He's come out of, not kind of. He is out of COVID uh, protocol related absence right now, and has been skating with the team the last couple of days. Uh, he was not in the top six defense pairings, but I, I can tell you, like right now, he's feeling better. He did admit he had COVID, uh, which is crazy to think about with all the you know the precautions everyone has taken. That just goes to show you how dangerous and uh, unpredictable this uh, epi- pandemic is right now. But he's been back, and he was on the, the fourth defense pairing with, uh, uh, my gosh, my name, my brain is frozen. Anyways, he was not in the top six. So right now, Logan Stanley has been so good this year, guys. I think he's been a pleasant surprise on that third defense pairing with Dylan DeMello. Uh, is Nathan Beaulieu with Josh Morrissey and, of course, Neil Pionk with Derek Forbert. Derek Forbert and Neil Pionk have been fantastic in that second defense pairing. And Josh Morrissey's playing on his offside, uh, playing on the right side with Nathan Beaulieu. So that also gives Paul Maurice a lot of options when one of your best defensemen can play both sides, especially when you have so many left-handed defensemen on the roster and in in the organization. So they've been better. Uh, Nathan Beaulieu has been fantastic, blocking shots, uh, going up against the other team's best and killing a lot of penalties. So they, they are not getting the, the due desert or the justice that they deserve and the attention they deserve. They've just been so good this year. And of course it, do, it doesn't help or it helps a lot when you have two of the best goalies in the NHL right now with Connor Hellebuck and Lauren Brassois playing as well. As they have been. Well, 30 seconds or so here, just maybe expand on, on Stanley and for yeah. a lot of people, how well he's played, or, or at mm. least how invisible, Jamie, he's managed to be. Because <laughs> when you're a defenseman, you don't want people really talking about you. Just talk yeah. about how he's managed to just sort of seamlessly fit in. Because there, there were some concerns about St- Stanley and his skating ability and whether or not he was a bona fide uh, potential NHL player. Yeah, when you're drafting the first round, guys, oh, you know all that pressure comes with it, uh, whether it's fair or not. And I think the key part for him and why this has been so seamless for Logan Stanley to come to the NHL is the Manitoba Moose play the exact same style that the Winnipeg Jets do. That is one thing the organization has been very good about. So when you come to the National Hockey League, there's no surprises. You, they play the exact same system. They know the coaching staff because of all the prospect development camps they've been to. So there's no surprises. And Logan Stanley has been a pleasant surprise because he has been just as physical as he was in the American Hockey League, and he's even showed that offensive side of his game as well. So there's been nothing. It's been seamless for him. The coaching staff is pleased with him, and you have to give full credit to Pascal uh, Vincent and the coaching staff, Eric Dubois, for the job they've done with him in his 144 games in the American Hockey League. Jamie Thomas joining us live on 680 CJOB Jets Analyst. Thank you very much, Jamie. Much appreciated, sir. 
No problem, guys. And by the way, it was Sammy Niku that Tucker Pullman skated with yesterday. Just clicked in. <laughs> hey, the cold. I I hear you. I remember doing hits in the cold, and my tongue would oh. you just like everything would freeze, and then you're like, "Is my brain freezing?" Right yeah. now? <laughs> I, I know, guys. Like seriously, I know we're tough in Winnipeg, but sometimes you're like, "Well, we have to do this stuff all the time." So <laughs> do I have to speak in the cold? This doesn't make sense. We're just showing off now. Is really what we're doing. I know. Look, we're so tough. <laughs> Greg's wearing a scarf in the studio. <laughs> That's how cold it is. Hey, thank you so much, Jamie. We appreciate this, right, sir. Guys. Tomorrow, 7 o'clock pregame, 9 o'clock faceoff, game oh, four. Yuck. Four. I'm going to have to sleep from 5 until 7 or something. <laughs> 5 till 8.45. I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> hey, by the way, Jets at noon with Ken Poitras coming up today from 12 until 12.30. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, just want to read this follow-up text from Lorraine, who won our Namath Diamonds $100 gift card based on her text message at 204-780-6868. And she says, you made my day, CJOB. I have three cars down due to the cold. I'm out buying a booster pack as I text you. Thanks again. I can freeze on in good spirits now. So, Loren, thanks for, for sharing that. She also tried to skate by without actually sharing her birth yes. date. That was the best part. She just wrote, I'm really old and cold. <laughs> Leave me alone, basically, guys. <laughs> so I had to I had to pry, out, pry it out of her. I'm like, Loren, you can't cheat on the birth date. We need that to seal the deal. So she has reluctant provided it. Not that old. Come on. Anyway, I won't. Screen grab? You putting that on Twitter now? Yeah, I'm going to share it on all of our social media <laughs> platforms. Lorraine is this old. Um, hey, it's I Love to Read Month, so we're going to continue that conversation now. I mean, this cold weather, great excuse to just grab a book and hunker down for a few hours. I mean, Lorraine, you met, Lorraine, I called you Lorraine, I'm sorry. Lorraine, you mentioned earlier that you had uh, the sweatpants and the blanket. I mean, it sounds like you're all ready to, to hunker down with a book. Not even listening to you already. I'm ready. I'm already moved ahead to 10:15 and book reading time. No, it's a great time. It's a great t- a chance just to sit down and, and relax, right? Read, t- read for yourself. You could read for your kids. And yes, we can't get out to do our I Love to Read visits this year, but we can give everyone some ideas, Greg, if they're looking for some new reading material. Yeah, from graphic novels to young adult fantasy to his latest book, a memoir, which I'm currently reading. Local author David Robertson has so much to share with us. We say good morning. David, how are you, sir? Great to hear your voice. Good morning. How are you guys doing? We're doing A-OK. And I know uh, I know your son is a lover of the ODR, would uh, basically live out there. Did, did he actually get out there yesterday? <laughs> well, we watched the Super Bowl together. And then after, we, I took him there about 10 p.m. And so we were, uh, I was watching him skate around there from 10 until about 11 and then brought him, brought him home. So, yeah, he's, he's hardcore. It was, now, it was really cold. What I want to know is, do you stay in the car while he's out there skating? Oh, yeah. No, I, I stayed in the car. No, I'm not, I'm not crazy. He's a prolific writer. He, he's not insane, folks. Uh, would you normally be going out to schools as well, or are you too like, uh, big of a deal for that now? Oh, my goodness. No, never. That's why I do this. I, I'm, I'm out in the schools typically – um, all year, but in, in particular for February, I, I'm usually visiting a ton of schools. Um, and this year is, is going to be a little different, but yeah, no, this is my, being in the classroom is, is my favorite place to be. And, and it's what, uh, you know, really I write to, to connect with kids. And so, yeah, I wouldn't miss it. 
So the, the book that uh, you are particularly focusing on, I mean, and as Greg referenced, you have had, you've pumped out so many books in uh, recent months and in recent years, but the book that uh, you were focusing on for the, this month in particular is something called When We Were Alone. So can you tell us about that? Yeah, When We Were Alone is a book that uh, I wrote about three years ago. Uh, I was lucky enough to win the Governor General's Award in 2017, and it's a picture book um, that details uh, grandmother and grandchild discussion about the grandmother's experience at residential school. And it's a really um, gentle, age-appropriate way to introduce kids to residential school history. And it's a book that I'm, you know, always being asked to, to read to classrooms and speak about to classrooms, even three years down the road. Um, and so I think it's, yeah, I'll be, I'll be reading a lot and talking a lot about it uh, this month. And usually around Orange Shirt Day, I'll be doing a lot of readings from it as well. Um, and then I'm sure I'll be a- being asked to do, be doing the Great Barren Grounds as well, which is my middle grade book. But those are the two books I'll probably be reading from the most this month. What do you find in the classroom, David, there is or isn't when it comes to a book like this? Because this tells the story of a little girl. She's got questions for her grandma. And that she, with those questions, she learns about her grandma's life in a residential school and the impact that had. And so there's some, it's such an educational book uh, that I'm, I'm curious that when you were growing up, did you see anything like this in the system? And is there still a lack of these kinds of books that can give us a story but really teach us something along the way, particularly about this, this brutal time in Canada's past? Yeah, um, no. When I was a kid, there was nothing like this. That's that's like, yeah, I mean, there's, that's a pretty um, succinct but honest answer. Um, the, you know, the education system was different back then, too. They, it, was, it was really an ignored history. Um, it was something that we either didn't want to admit that happened or that we just didn't want to talk about. Well, it might not have even been in our history books as, as, as it should have been, let alone in no, a book wasn't. like this. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. I, I didn't learn about residential schools until I was in university, and um, and my grandmother went to residential school. So it's um, there's a lot there's a lot more to that. But um, the school system was, you know, that that was a failure for me not to have learned about it, and for all kids not to have learned about it. Um, things are different now. You know, there there are there are a lot of books out there that, by Indigenous writers um, that talk about residential school history. Um, for all age levels, and they're they're very good resources for teachers because we've asked a lot of teachers to um, you know to, to talk to kids about this history, uh, and books are a good way to introduce the history, to give teachers support um, in a very difficult job, and to um, show the history in, a, in, in like I said before, like a really kind of sensitive, age appropriate way that doesn't shy away from those truths, those hard truths. David, uh, first of all, uh, kudos on Blackwater. I'm enjoying it uh, very much. Tremendous book. Uh, but I was surprised, I think, sort of to learn that it's available on audiobook. So if you're a student and you're used to and would love to hear David come to your classroom normally and read a book, you don't have to be a student. You can, you can download this audiobook and you do the narration yourself. I did, and it was you know I I, I was really um, thankful to be able to do that. Um, but you know that was also a you know if you listen to it, I was uh, you know you won't be able to tell me, but I was just trying to push through because I was doing it just a few months after my dad passed away, and uh, those are some hard studio sessions just trying to read through this. Um, but it was yeah, I mean it, it, I think it's um, it adds a bit of gravity and emotional resonance to the book if you listen listen to the audio book. It, it is me 
reading it. It's the first time I've done anything like that aside from my podcast. And so it was, it was a, you know, it was a good experience, but it was, it was also pretty tough. I'm thinking of, uh, there's a, there's a line in a movie, uh, David, I think the movie's called Matilda and uh, Danny DeVito says something like read a book. Why would you want to read a book where you can just watch TV? So does anybody ever say things like that to you? Like, why would I want to read? You know, why should I read? So what would you say to somebody if they were to ask you that? I mean, I I don't hear that a lot. Um, but I, 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 I have been asked that, you know, like, why should I read? And I, and I, what I tell people is, kids or adults, is that books bring us together. You know, books um, help us to form community. Um, books help us to learn about each other. Um, and they also just help us to escape, you know. And right now, <laughs> living in Winnipeg in minus 40-degree weather, we might want to read a book to kind of pretend like we're somewhere else. But, no, books are very powerful. And, um, and they teach us a lot. And, and I think most importantly, they do, um, in many ways, um, form a stronger community. And, um, and right now, you know, being a part as we are, I think that's a, a good way for us to stay connected. We talked to you a couple months ago about your different books you had out this past year. The, Greg mentioned the memoir. You also had another graphic novel. We talked about the picture book that was the Governor General Award winner from uh, a few years ago, David. And now you've got a, a second picture book coming out, I think, in a couple months' time. Do you not? Trapline, I believe it's called. And uh, tell us a bit about that. But also, I mean, I'm, I'm curious how your brain does these. These are such different types a book, so a kid's book, and then a graphic novel, and then a young adult fantasy, and then a memoir. Like, do you have different parts of your brain that write, or does it just all come from the same place? I must have different parts of my brain that I'm just not aware. I don't know. I don't, honestly, I don't know. I'm kind of like it's like um, Will Ferrell in old school. I kind of I just write it, and then I just and then I kind of just what do I just block out? What if there's a book I just wrote? So um, there's uh... what just happened here? I got a whole book in front of me. Just as long as you don't wake up in the quad in your uh, underpants with a pen and paper in your hand, right, David? Yeah, we're going to drinking. So, um, we're uh, we're um, on a trap line. Is um, that's a very special book to me? It's coming out in May. Um, it's my second picture book. Um, it's also with Julie Flett. Julie Flett also illustrated when we were alone. I would I would call it a spiritual sequel to Blackwater uh, Companion because um, Blackwater is about my uh, tra- journey with my dad to his trap line, uh, which is called Blackwater. Um, and on the trap line is is looking at that journey through a child's eyes. And so all I've done with it really is taken two journeys I took with my dad, my first journey to Norway House, my first journey to his trap line, my, 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 and uh, with him. And I've taken those two journeys and I've made myself a child and, and how a child would experience and see and learn about uh, a First Nations community and how he would see and experience and learn about the trap line and the connection that he has, a very strong connection with his grandfather, just like with the correct connection I have with my dad. And so it's a very special book, and it's also the last book um, my dad read of mine. And uh, I, was, I was really grateful that he got to read it before he passed away. Canada is such a vast country. We have such varied histories. Uh, your history and, and the one that you've been sharing uh, in your books is obviously fascinating. I remember when Farley Mowat came to read to our class. It was either grade two or grade three. And it wasn't until years later, until Never Cry Wolf, 
became a motion picture and you go, that guy came to read to us at school that it became a big deal. But just that notion of sharing those stories about Canada, like the unknown Canada, just so important, maybe as important now as it's ever been, David? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And this is, you know, the last 10 years, especially the last five years, as we've seen more and more Indigenous literature being published and, and read, by Indigenous writers, um, you know, that's Canada, too. It's a part of our history. It's a part of who we are. And it's a, it's an amazing way to learn about um, history that was either ignored or that we just, you know, didn't didn't even read or know about. Um, and so, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's really, uh, to me, it's, it's an exciting time. Um, to be able to have these books. And, 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 and I love to read ones and throughout the school year, um, at times be able to meet the authors that write these books and to ask them questions and to, um, and to hear them read them. And to, I think that's a, a, adds a level of experience to the book and, and, and the learning, the learning um, experience and the engagement. Well, David, it's always a pleasure when you join us. So thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes to chat with us during I Love to Read Month, man. We appreciate it. Anytime. I will come on anytime. You guys are, you guys are the best. David. And we also just have to tout him one more time. Last time we had him on, uh, Brett, he was in a fight with the Dogman series for best book. And, and uh, <laughs> now he's up against the Narwhals, I see. The Narwhals is trying to take oh you down, God. David. So we got to get your book going again. You're number nine in North America for Tundra. But the Narwhals, man. I think I just have to start writing about narwhals. (laughs) (laughs) David A. Robertson joining us live on CJOB. And listen, if you go to CJOB.com, on the homepage, if you scroll down just a little bit, you'll get to a spot that says My Community, and you'll see a story there that says, I love to read month. Manitoba authors share their stories. And when you click on that, last week we spoke to Tamika Reed, and this week we're speaking to David Robertson, but you'll be able to watch a video of him reading when we were alone. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.